Hello and welcome to the Arizona Liberty Podcast. I'm your host, Neil in Arizona. Today is Wednesday, February 28th, 2024, and we are doing a continued set of interviews with Sean McMahon, Scottsdale Young Republicans, and today we're going to be talking about water management in Arizona. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and uh, and we have more in store for you. We have our return guest. We have Sean McMahon, Scottsdale Young Republicans. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Thanks for coming oh, back on. It. Yeah, I'm glad to be on here, Neil. So it's definitely been crazy like a couple of weeks ago. So we were talking about some electricity stuff, kind of have a little introduction episode. And now we're talking about the most thing that actually actually fills up with the h2.0 yep. also known as gotta bless the water in the colorado liver that's right so so yeah well go go ahead and uh i guess you can go ahead and get started on this i know we talked a little bit about it right before the meeting but uh go for it all righty so let me tell you something about a little bit about arizona's this water Let's say we really kind of depend on it and there is like a really long history that kind of goes along how the water issue goes, which I know, which I can go on for an entire episode about it. But yeah, I feel like to do for something on a topic like this, we're probably going to try to do this in multiple parts. So figure if you're, yeah, I know this has kind of took me a couple of weeks to really research this for this episode. So I already got my notes here. Right. And there's going to be a lot of stuff. So if anyone's kind of listening to this, if you want to understand some of the historical parts, so you came to the right place. So we are. Yeah. So, you know, that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We're, so we're trying to, um, we're trying to, I guess you could say contain the conversation. So the focus on this one's going to be a little more like history and some, um, maybe some lingo, uh, some, uh, legal language in there. Well, and, I would say more of a way that I can understand it as a policy guy rather than like, you know, being like a lawyer is like, Oh, yeah, true, they true. have this language used in this and this and that, which I mean, I'm not like any certified lawyer, which I don't have a juris doctorate or anything. Right. But... Yeah. This what is strictly today? conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we'll, we probably won't get to it this time around, but there, there's a lot of rhetoric that's bouncing around Arizona regarding water. And for good reason, actually, people are very concerned about the water. So I hope this uh, benefits a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was hoping I would kind of do here, which I know, like I've always heard that conversation being thrown around and I've always knew that the water was always straight up, which I know people say is it could be climate change or the drought because i know like even though there's science and there's some research that's been showing because i know we've been facing it and there's a lot of like infrastructure a lot of which i know arizona which i would say like for the management stuff that we got here so far we do have like a leading like i would say top-notch like bipartisan like water program how we managed it but mm-hmm. i feel like there is like some other ways and especially with a lot of which i feel like all that stuff it's getting tested with all the new stuff that's happening with the infrastructure being built up with the manufacturers and business being opened. They're like, are we going to have enough water to be able to provide for everyone? And there's that other structure we, me and Neil, we kind of ended up talking about before this mean, this episode kind of go around. There was a lot of infrastructure, a lot of infrafighting from the Pinal stuff and the Yuma were having their own voice in the concerns about the well stuff, which Honestly, I didn't really know much about that, but it's like, yeah. yeah, I know I really want to discuss that further. So 
I know I am kind of probably going to be rambling on, but I am going to be starting off from the very beginning with all the history stuff, which I got my notes all right here. So all right. without further ado, hang on to your water bottles because this <laughs> is going to be a long trip. <laughs> and I'm I... probably going to drink a lot of water because my throat is going to be very dry after the end of this episode. <laughs> I'll try to throw in some immature comments along the way to keep people awake. Uh, okay, gotta remember, we gotta keep it PG because we got some kids in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. How and... bad can it get? It's water. <laughs> <laughs> so, alrighty, so we're gonna start with the very beginning of the policy part within 1964. So that is like long before Arizona became the state in 19 before it became the state in 1911 so the first arizona territory legislative adopts the howard code remember the howard code so what is the howard code you may ask the howard code establishes a pre-appropriation for surface waters establishing that the first to take use of the water has a party used for the water for the same purpose and are for over newer water uses so, which it is a legal framework that is developed in 1851 for the governors of water rights in the state of California, which, I mean, we got to know me, Arizona, California have a pretty interesting relationship. So, yeah, complicated, but it's, remember that detail for later. So, all right, which it is for the governance, and it was named after Stephen Johnson Field, who was appointed to be by the California's first governor, John McGlower, which to lead a commission to draft a legal system for water rights. The field assistant, Edward Burton, was instrumental in drafting the code, which it became also known as the Howard Code after the chairman of the Judicial Committee in the California State Assembly, J.C. Howard. Like I said, it actually does dictate the first stuff. So the key features of all the stuff you probably might need to be able to understand how this Howard Code comes into play. So the waters are advocated based on a first-in-time and first-in-right basis, meaning the first person or entry to use water from a source for a beneficial purpose, like intertration or mining, has a superior right to see to the water over literal users. The second one, beneficial use requirement. It is uh, the water, the right to the water is tied for the beneficial use. So meaning that individuals or entries must put the water to productive use, like our culture as a for mining, rather than drilled out without any productive purposes, which I know you could probably see some of the stuff go along from there. So that's basically the key foundation, how the water stuff, like the policy stuff goes, and which it kind of leads up a couple years later where we got the Buckeye Canal, which it was founded in 1885, which it was actually brought settlers to the area, provided the essential water they would need to survive in their own home, which it was a significant management infrastructure project. It was founded in the late in 19th century by a group of farmers and investors who sought to address the water scarcity issues in the area. Which it was a critical part of the mm -hmm. management of agriculture development in the Phoenix Mediterranean area. So I think that's where one of the subway we were talking about earlier in the, yeah, it will be post Yuma, which I know Buckeye was only like an hour away from Avondale. Yeah. And you kind of see if you've been down in Avondale, there's a lot of farmlands, a lot of like agriculture down there, which I know that's where we depend a lot of our sources from. Right. So and the construction of it. So, I mean, let's kind of talk about more of the water rights stuff. So the development was closely tied to the prior appropriation document, which it kind of leads up to the Howard Codes again. Mm -hmm. 
So, which had governed the water rights in the Western United States, farmers, and they relied on these things for the water infiltration purposes. So that's where the Howard Coates kind of provide the uses like yeah. for the farmers and the other investors to be able to do it for their own like water business in order to be able to survive and, you know, actually survive, you know, grow plants and all that's good stuff there. Right. Yeah. The big one back then was definitely av- agriculture. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too. Yeah. Look at- I mean, I still argued it's still kind of a really big factor. So if we don't really have a strong our culture thing and there was a lot of like policy stuff, which I know that will make a really good episode, how the our culture, which I know there's another episode that I really enjoy from the farm boys when they did an interview with Ron DeSantis talking about like his concern about how the agriculture kind of goes. Oh, interesting. So you should definitely get that one to watch. I know I'm kind of promoting it for oh, that's Ron cool. DeSantis, but you know, it was a good episode if you want to kind of get they're called the They're called the Farmer Boys? Yeah, I think it was the Farmer Boys. I mean, just put Farm Boys to Santa's and you yeah. might be able to find the keyword from there. Far- farm Boys. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always right. up for I'm always up for a new podcast. I, I have a philosophy. Everybody should have a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do plan to do that soon enough when I do the bill analysis thing. But... Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it'd so, be awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the whole topic thing. So well, one of the challenges with the Buckeye County, what it actually did face is obviously the water shortage, maintenance issues, and the conflicts yeah. with the water rates, which, you know, that I feel like that kind of played as like the main key component leading up to the bigger lawsuits that we're going to get the overview for. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm just to put like things into perspective, like in time. So this was during, uh, this was like the year before the Civil War ended when they actually did this, this uh, legislature. Mm-hmm. It, it was 1864 and and the uh the civil war went through 1865 so yeah kind of crazy i know arizona didn't have a whole lot to do with the civil war but they did they did have some but yeah mm-hmm. just a little perspective on that yeah so now we're kind of leaning up to the other territory offer from that and then we got everyone's favorite i would say the politically incorrect man theodore roosevelt when he created or when he signed the national recreation act which that recreation act actually did recognize it what became a key component for western growth and the development constructing the system and aggressive works for the shortage divisions and development for the water thing which i know teddy was a huge tet was a huge champion for environmental stuff. Yeah. And he's also a big responsible why we got why Arizona is a state that it is now. And you know what? We gotta praise him for that. Yeah. Yeah. And oh go ahead. No, I was <laughs> say it'd be interesting to see how he would be looking at it today. Yeah. It's he would be he wouldn't be surprised with all the shocking results along with it. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, that was nineteen oh two. Mm-hmm. And then shortly a year later, then the creation of the Salt River Project actually came around. It was based in Phoenix. So it establishes a first as a nation's first multi-purpose federal recreation project authorized under the National Recreation Act. So it was actually one of the first ones that ever be built the Salt River Project. And it is actually known as Arizona's is like one of the largest water suppliers in the Mediterranean area. And then they actually seed up to CP Pat project. So which I know we're probably going to discuss that a little further a little later. Yeah. And then 1911, right by the t- I would say a year before Arizona became an official state, the Roosevelt Dam was born. It was also created by the Recreation Act, another result, a product of the Recreation Act. Yeah. Reclamation. Uh, hopefully, I, I'm not pronouncing it wrong. So 
It was operated and maintained by the Salt River. Then 1911, the Banton Austin degree actually was one of the first surface water rights for the land in the BWCCD district. So, okay. I know I'm just kind of going overviews. Sure, sure. This is good. Uh huh. So, back and now we're going back to 1999. The Arizona legislature adopts a public water code, which I know this is the law that requires a person to apply and obtain a permit to appropriate surface waters rather than the previous method of actually seriously benefiting use. So, this is where yeah. the government control started to get in, which I feel like that's one of the other stuff, which I think this is one of those issues. I feel like it should be a bipartisan thing rather than yeah. like more libertarians. Like, yeah, you could take all the water up because if you don't have any control going for it, then you're probably going to get situations that we're already facing currently right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Right. If you just let people at it, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Uh huh. Like if you got like contamination or you don't want to make it that one. You remember the Simpson movie when Homer had that like pig manure stuff and he thought it would be like an infinite good idea to <laughs> find a way to try to get rid of the pig shit. So he tossed it in the damn river and that's like causing and polluting the entire city of Springfield. No, I didn't see it, but it sounds like a Simpsons episode. Yeah, it was like back in 2007. I remember seeing that in theaters and that was like the line. I was like, you know, oh, okay. if I want to make a summary, that's why we need to have a tougher restriction so we don't have people like Homer Simpson putting all the stuff, all the nasty stuff, even though I'm sorry for my language, I said pig crap into the water. We made it. It's not too bad. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so that, w- that was, let me see, that was... um. That was public water code. Okay, yeah, that's when you start getting into codes, right? Yeah, so, which I know I really got the whole stuff here, so we kind of took it up, and there's actually a good couple chapters going into it, so I know I don't, I'm not going to go like into super deep into it because that's like going to be like a whole episode yeah. in itself of how it could really apply to today's standard, but... Right. Let's say it definitely shows like there's a rule definition for this, definition for that, rule of this, rule for this. But, you know, if you guys ever want to kind of take a look at over to that, which I can probably place the link in the video, in the broadcast video description, or I'll probably might do like a simplified video about it. So that is the link that I included in the okay. chat for Neil. So if he wants to kind of... I'll throw that in the, in the show notes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Other than kind of briefly going over the water code thing, which that basically kind of provided as like the big overview for how all the stuff kind of go into what it would transpire with the three years later. We're talking about the everyone's favorite infamous of the famous river that we all know and love in the Southwest region. The Colorado River Compact Compact was established in 1922. So this compact was involved Arizona. Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, and California, which divided the Colorado River Bastion into an upper and lower river bastion and appropriate 7.5 million acres of feet of, of Colorado River water per year to each bastion. And so far, and based on all this, Arizona refused to rectify the compact over concern about the alteration of water among other states which I know that's another battle kind of leads up to yeah. good old California. And there was a couple of stuff, which I know California, remember that one big river when they had before, like it became a statehood. There was, I don't remember the name of it, of the lake. 
there was like an entire big lake that was like right in the middle of like Los Angeles, or it was like it covered banks like the big in the entire state. If I can really was it the, show it, was it the Salton Sea, the accident lake? I that might be the one that you were talking about before. They they had like like uh, before I forget what year somewhere around like the 30s they had the salt river basin and then and then agricultural they had an agricultural accident that happened and i can't remember what year it was but then the salt the salt river <laughs> the colorado river spilled over and filled up the salt the salt basin Lake Turek. yeah i i think i think the the salton sea might be a little different body of rod, water huh um, i mean that would definitely make an interesting discussion though. i know it's Let's see. Yeah, I was I was like just quickly searching. It looks like you have uh, Lake Tahoe. Where are you referring to Lake Tahoe? You got Lake Tahoe, Mono Lake, Lake Simone, Lake Sonoma, Fallen Leaf, Salton Sea, Lake Gregory. That's up in the mountains. Big Bear, Whiskey Town. I wonder what. Oh, well, I guess it's not too too important. Hmm. Yeah, but we all know that California is trying to be so like economically friendly, and they right. haven't been making out some big hits with the whole of the policy stuff lately. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's that that once again, that's a whole nother like I, I kind of brought that up lightly to you before. Uh, it had to do with some of the rhetoric that uh, is being uh, thrown around. It's election year, so we're gonna hear a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely gonna hear it a lot, which I know there was a lot of people, a lot of candidates. I mean, I know Ari is talking about a lot of extensively. I know Austin Smith. I think he mm-hmm. serves on like on one of the committees, like for the water agriculture okay. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I guess Arizonans that some Arizonans are real worried about water and others just could care less. Others just don't think about it. So that okay, so that was uh that was nineteen twenty two, right? Yep. Colorado River Compact is established, is that the one? Yeah. And then yeah, Arizona refuses to ratify the compact over concerns about the allocation of war among the states. Aha. Uh-huh. Ah. Uh. That kind of leads up, and now we got to 19, 1928. So Congress passed the Boulder Caney Project Act. So this is another act that was actually passed out by Congress, and it was designated the Secretary of the Interior as the contracting authority for the Colorado River, which approves the construction of the Hoover Dam on the, condu- on the condition that the Colorado River compact is rectified. And it authorized the approval of the Colorado Compact without Arizona's approval. So there is another infrastructure, a lot of like interfightings that are a lot of rhetoric, yeah. kind of starting off from the very beginning for that. And then the creation, and a few years later in 1935, the creation of the Hoover Dam of Lake Merritt was actually ended up being completed, which it actually stores water for a lower uses by the lower Bastion states, controls flooding. Improves navigation, regulates the flow of the Colorado River, and generates hydroelectricity. Oh, dang! That's a throwback from the first episode. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much. I wonder to myself how much it generates. But yeah, you're right. That's a whole another. That's a whole another world. <laughs> yeah. So and now, like a couple years later, I know I'm kind of grossing over it. So, 1944, Arizona ends up appro- finally improving the compact for the Colorado River compact. So. The governor, Sidney Paston Osborne, announces a policy shift in Arizona's position, matters relating to the Colorado River, leading up to the state's approval for the Colorado River Compact, and this action clears the pathway for the delivery of the Colorado River 
central water to the central in southern Arizona, so which it contracts with the Secretary of the Interior for the annual delivery of the state's full entitlement of 2.8 million acres feet of Colorado River water. Mm-hmm. So it was actually subject between the Secretary of the Interior and the, all the water uses are subject to the terms of this contract, which it for release up to the another first major groundwater code legislative that was between 1945 and 1948. So in, in response by the warnings by the Bureau of Recreations that the Central Arizona Project would not be approved by that restriction on groundwater use. So this legislature would require registra- um, registration of wells throughout the state in 1945 and prohibits the drilling of new interior wells in 10 designated critical water areas, groundwater areas. Okay. Uh, I know that's a lot of info to kind of put in a lot of their... Yeah, so. and they're, yeah, they're calling it like the first groundwater code legislation. And it... Yeah, let's see. Yeah, and they were just... Basically, starting to regulate groundwater use. It's, yeah. it's interesting because they want they wanted to they wanted people to start registering wells and things like that. Yeah, I think that might be one of the first conversations why Pima County. A lot of those people were mentioned about the whole well scene, which I know I'm going to personally kind of give it back to you. So, like, as someone who is like a resident of the Pinal County, yeah, and you're from Casa Grande, so. What's your insight about for the people who actually does all these wells thing and all these well businesses there or like how they manage their wells? How does it really affect them? So I can only tell you that. And I should know more as a well owner. Um, well, I'm a partner. My, my, uh, out in our area in Pinal County, you're allowed to have, uh, uh, two, two properties share one well. And I, it might even be more of an acreage thing, like an acre and a quarter, like every like a well per 2.5 acres I believe is the rule out here where I'm at. So like I have a neighbor that has two and a half acres, he has his own well, and then we have one and a half acres and we have to share with our neighbor. Um so there's a, there's definitely regulation there. And then like I was telling you before the call, uh I was actually talking to Walt Blackman's wife um as uh, we had one of these um, forums out at D5, and I will be posting that audio on the podcast um, after I get it edited. Um, but she explained to me that uh, there's a group of people right now that are advocating to meter wells. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's scary. So what would that mean like for you guys? If they kind of meter the wells, they like kind of the government kind of judge it's like, hey, you can't use this water, this, you can't use this, you can only use it at a certain amount of limit. Right. I mean, there's already people now, like it's, it's interesting. We talk about like free market principles and things like that. You'd be surprised at how people, you know, how concerned people are about wells. Uh, out here, people truck in water, even though they have a well, like for example, I'm going to be doing it. Like we're, we're putting a garden at our house and uh, a chicken coop and things like that. We're going to truck in the water for it. Cause we don't want to run the well. We don't, we don't want to deplete the well. <laughs> we're afraid. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you guys you don't want to poison the water well, you know what I say. <laughs> yeah. We so yeah, it, it's it's a lot of people there is like some self-regulation going on here, but I think if they meter our wells it's going to get worse. Yeah, which on all that stuff when you know you want to do your old chicken coop and all the other stuff. So like yeah. I know you're probably going to have to find some other sources that kind of do the whole water management oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, we're going to truck it in. We're just going to we're just going to we're just going to call, uh, there's, there's truck delivery services out here and we're just going to have it, you know, rotated out. 
so we're going to use two sources of water. We're going to use the trucked in water for the gardening. And then the, the well is going to be for, you know, household. So that's kind of interesting, which I don't, don't think I've ever kind of grew up with that life. But yeah. It's like, and I couldn't imagine what that would have been like. Yeah. My neighbor trucks in, uh, he has a well too. And my neighbor, my other neighbor, he, he trucks in water because he has a mechanic shop and he doesn't want to use the well for his mechanic work. He's just afraid to do it. People are just scared. People are just afraid to deplete the wells out here. Yeah. But, I guess there gotta be like some solution to kind of fix some of that stuff where you don't have the government kind of interfering with everything. Yeah. I mean, I get it because I know there is some stuff because all this stuff does affect everyone else in the state, Cali, Wyoming, because mm-hmm. figure we are kind of all independent from one another. And you got like one progressive, very highly progressive state that's like yep. kind of taking all of our water stuff. Utah, I mean, pretty concerned. I don't know much about the Utah, Colorado, how they manage their water stuff. From right. there. Well, Mr. John Fillmore is very concerned. Mm-hmm. Figure like you should be, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here, and uh, we'll come back. Cool beans. I'm going to go back a little bit into 1966 when we get back. All right. So real quick, Sean, I wanted to go back a little back. Uh, I wanted to go back a little bit in time here on on your timeline. Sure. We we had in 1966, Congress passes the Land and Water Conservation Act, Fund Act. So there's money there. Um, and that's uh, when we started writing legislation. It looks like to pr- uh, to protect federal land and water, incentive states to develop the public parks and recreation. So that's about when I guess must have been like 1966 when we started seeing a lot more funding going into the parks and recreation and water allocated toward those parks. Yep. Hmm. And then uh and then right after that same year 1966 um we had uh regulation on on the dam to create uh, Lake Powell so that really? one is like completion of Glen Canyon Dam, creation of Lake Powell. The dam regulates the flow of Colorado River from the upper basin to the lower basin, controls floods, stores water, and produces hydroelectricity. And the the reservoir created by the dam is Lake Powell. So I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know Lake Powell was that young. Yeah, I didn't even know that either because I know it's... Lake Powell is just, I didn't really know much about Lake Powell but until when I read that detail. I was like, man, that's another creation one, which I know that's kind of seems like another bigger player. Yeah. All the water stuff in there, but. Yeah. Um, well, I remember when I first moved here in 99, I had a person tell me we've got more lakes. Uh, somebody said some kind of funny st- statistic, like we've got more lakes per capita or something like that than any other state. And they're all man-made. <laughs> Somebody, somebody said something like that. So a lot of our water is just man-made. They're all basins, I think, for, for probably coming off of the Colorado River. Yeah, so that's like one of those details that I don't really know much about. But it's like, obviously, it's definitely a beautiful area. And it's definitely a little further up by Antelope and mm-hmm. Horseshoe Brand. So 
Yeah, so I guess I guess now we're venturing into the seventies here. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got this deal uh, with the uh, Arizona legislator. They created the uh, the Central Arizona Water Conservation District. Yep. So that was also known as CAWCD. So which this one was actually created to repay the federal government for the state's share of the fair cost of the Central Arizona project and to operate the CP canal. So I actually got some of the statistics up right here after what I know we're kind of okay. going back to a little bit. We can't really, really full go back. I mean, we're going to jump to the 80s. Sure. In the 70s. So, like, based on the public law, which I know this is, like, based on the Colorado River Bastion Project Act. So, also under public law 88-578, which it actually did establish in a funding source for both federal acquisition of park and recreation lands and marching grants to state and local governments for recreation planning, acquisition, and development. So, which it actually did set the requirement for the state thing in the three sources, if you want to know this, Neil. So, mm -hmm. and I actually just looked this up. So, the three sources it actually does, like for the fund, was water designated. Okay. The proceeds came up from the surplus federal real property, the motorboat field taxes, and the fees for the recreation uses of federal lands. Isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah. So I was like, I want to know how to go up. So going a little further. So the level funding from 1966 to 1968 reached around around 100 million per year, which is a little bit shorter for what Congress are really expected. But to yeah. order to remedy this, so they proposed the outer con constitutional shelf, which that actually ends up my mineral leasing receipts to be taped. Right. So they were, I guess they were trying to find other sources. And I wonder if that was kind of referring up to the big CDD district thing as a way to be able to repay for the canal thing. It was like, hey, we're going to be able to take all this stuff, but we'll kind of give you the canal as long as I be able to repay yeah. for it. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, it is. And then, like you said, we're, we're, we're not from there. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on in the 70s. I mean, they pretty much just cruised through the 70s and then on into the 80s. And and the 80s was pretty low. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of legislative legislative activity or anything, even mm -hmm. for the 80s. So I know that one of the brief things that I'm probably going to touch on, which I know I added up the fun thing, which I know we're just kind of add that up. And I feel like it's kind of important to kind of see what some of the context would go up. So in 1970, the growth demands of the fund led out to the Ackerman of Public Law 91-485, which had increased the LCF to like a 300 million annual level from FY 1971 up to the end of 19 of the 1980s when 1988. So, which had actually reviewed that the needs has been expended three ways. So which are provided for the state grant program would give more emphasis for human parks and recreation areas which it also would help and create and develop recreation facilities within urban areas. Okay. So it actually is another thing. So I thought that was kind of another yeah. little tidbit thing that I wanted to briefly touch on. So, so that's like for all the guys who may not know. So if you want to kind of know like how all these laws have been funded up. So now we're talking about the whole transactional stuff. So yeah. So back to 1980, so this is where Arizona legislative passes the Groundwater Management Act. So it was Governor Bruce Bradden, which is signed the act, championed by the legislature, which including Stan Cherkley, Bastion Barr, and Alfred Gonzalez, which Mark Gonzalez, hopefully I pronounced that right. So 
implementing yeah. the recommendation of the groundwater management study commissions, which comprise of city, mine, and agriculture stakeholders, which also did give birth to the Arizona Department of Water Resources to in order to administrate the provisions of the act and gives ADWR um, prediction, um, prediction over surface water and responsibility for representing the state on the Colorado River issues. So one of the things that I've actually did kind of look through on this act, which I know that's like another key element. So we're like the groundwater act where Arizona decided to kind of start controlling some of their stuff. So I wonder what some of the stuff that kind of goes along for God. And they actually, okay. I actually did pull out some of the details up. So it was among one of the sense of development and notice a significant water policies will start bending active relating to cons conservation, recharge and underground water shortage Official artificial lakes, water transfer, tropical water rights settlements, interstate water shortage agreements, and long-term drought. So that's another thing where they're kind of used to drought up because I know, like for the past couple of years, we've been doing some other incredible heat, even like in the middle yeah. of the end of February, where we're like, is this kind of spring happening? But <laughs> no, the groundhog right. said he did show the status, so we're definitely going to be getting the spring more sooner than later. And sure, it's happening. <laughs> Oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, and then, yeah, because like last summer was just ridiculously hot, and then we went into a very very cold winter. Mm -hmm. So of course we're gonna leap right back into summer again. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get a little bit of spring. I always tell my wife, look, come Valentine's Day, forget about it. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> we're going into spring. Um, yeah, spring break, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Spring. Yeah, we do our spring break a little early. Um, so yeah, so then, uh, 1993, uh, we, uh, they did some more Arizona groundwater, uh, they did the replenishment district. That was in 1993. Um, uh, yeah, so we're getting back to that one. So that's another thing where they do like, which it actually did end up requiring to replenish groundwater used by the new subdivisions, mm -hmm. subdivisions in Maricopa and Pinal and in Pima counties consistent with and from the act in 1980. So, which is also kind of referred as the CHGRD. Okay. And which it kind of leads up to 1955, ensure sure, aquatic water supply rules has been adopted, which it actually requires the developer to demonstrate a hundred year assured or aggregate water supply, which it actually leads up. It actually started all the way back from Buckeye County in this stuff. Yeah. And this rule ended up being back another century later. I wonder if that's going to happen in 2095, even though that's going to be the time where probably you're going to be under a couple of feet underground when all this stuff is going to happen. <laughs> right. And in the way this going, I don't know how that's going to play out. So, yeah, this is where the, I think the law starts getting to where even like citizens are starting to get concerned about about the water supply in arizona come like 95 um they're they start talking about uh water supply rules that's kind of new they started uh they started uh wanting 100 year assured water supply before land is sold to uh housing subdivisions so yeah this is where i think people started getting you know concerned about like you know, whether or not we're going to be drinking water after they build all these houses. This is 1995, so it's been like, uh, what, 30 years? Yeah, 30 about years. 
almost out of 30 years. And uh, that's when all these, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm guilty as charged. Um, I lived in, in 99, I moved into a KB home neighborhood. Really? Where's <laughs> I, that at? I, over a Crisman and Broadway out in, uh, out in uh, Mesa, East Mesa. But you know, it's, it's, it's those houses that are basically tough sheds that are covered in stucco and have a ceramic roof. And there's like 500 home or, you know, 500 homes and they're all 15 feet apart. Oh, dang. That's <laughs> like before, like everything we just started seeing a house being built yeah. like crazy. Right. And that's, and now we've like, I don't know how many times we've quadrupled that. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's gone all the way across the entire valley. Uh, from like like you've mentioned, you know, before Buckeye, all the way to uh, we're we're starting to hit like Florence now, mm-hmm. past Santana out to Florence, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely gonna get into that. So back in now, we're gonna go back on topic, mm-hmm. which I know I'm probably gonna try to cover up and end sure, up sure. with the 2004 stuff, which I know this. I feel like I'm just kind of going an overview, but I feel like this stuff yeah. that I just want everyone to kind of know that all the brief apart. And before we start getting into the whole like rhetoric stuff, so you can have people to understand what's kind of going on here. So in 1996, so it kind of leads up the Water Banking Authority was established to facilitate the storage of Arizona unused Colorado River water to provide an opportunity to the states of Cal- of California and Nevada to store their own share of unused Colorado River water to fill. So, which is another way to kind of facilitate and then also to provide the settlement of Indian water rights claims by delivering and storing all waters up. I know we're about to kind of finish up on the 2004. So, mm-hmm. cut up to 2004. So, this is where Congress actually ends up passing the Arizona Water Settlements Act. So, by the time when George Bush and then you got Arizona Senator John. U.S. Senator at the time, John Kyle, ended yep. up approving agreement for the amount of the water CPA repayment obligate, obligation. The act also does settle water claims of the Gill River Indian River Indian community in the Tahoe, Albino Nation, and recuperates 63,300 acres of feet of unrecorded cap water to the Secretary of the Interior for use in the future Indian water rights settlements in Arizona, which I know that's another can of worms about the Indian rights thing. So I didn't even know like the Indians are like really that concerned with the whole, the water stuff in their own tribes. Right. And I, I guess, I I guess the president was involved maybe because they're tribes and a lot of that's federal related maybe. Yeah, that could be the case. (laughs) But, um, and then, uh, yeah, and then it looks like uh, 2007, even uh, Governor Janet Napolitano got involved in some water law. Yeah, she did. So she ended up kind of signing that bipartisan measure authorizing counties and cities outside of the MBRAs to adopt a requirement that new subdecisions demonstrate a 100-year aggregate water supply similar to the sure water supply requirements in the MBAs. So, which includes Cochise, Wyoming County, as well as several other states end up adopting the requirement. Mm-hmm. So, which it kind of leads to the CPA ended up becoming a pivotal province system in Arizona, designed to transport water from Colorado to across the desert to central and southern parts of the state, including major Mediterranean areas with Phoenix, which I know we're about to get into some of the other discussions yeah. about. We're probably going to get to briefly touch on the data center things and the big manufacturer thing that 
we were definitely going to about to try to get around to, which I know I feel like that's another thing that is kind of concerning up that for the whole water that I wonder that's just going to train up a lot of water up. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. I know my dog is like kind of <laughs> talking. <laughs> it, it, does, it doesn't pick it up on my side. Mm -hmm. So I guess with all that from here, so that's pretty much all the major overviews that I could say mm -hmm. from the legislative stuff for anyone that kind of needs to know, which I know I kind of did it a little bit more like bullet point this, this is how this goes. But so, and I know I'm going to plan to do the more deeper, further analysis with sure. a much more focus in the next episode. Yeah. Um, we can, on the next time around, like we've got, uh, let's see. So we went, basically did a history of legislation on this episode. And then you've got some other topics that are worth hitting uh, for the next, which is going to be, um, let's see here. I'm kind of jumping around on uh, the, the purpose and the construction uh, and your, your capacity and components, water allocation, challenges, adaptations, and any future considerations. We could even get into some of the stuff that some of the private markets getting involved, uh, Microsoft, um, they're calling it West US three. We can we can look at that a little bit. You've got a write up on that, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Leveraging renewal energy. We can look at that. You know, and there's there's talk, and you and I have talked about it too. And yeah, there's just so much in here. Um, let's see. I, I was kind of jumping topic just a tad there, but um, some of your 20th century legal foundations. There's uh, a little bit there. Um, a couple more agreements, but yeah. Um going back now to when I was starting to jump topic there. Uh, like there's, there's a lot of newer demands, right. For, for water that we didn't expect, like, you know, nobody expected data centers to be popping up all over the place and data centers consume quite a bit of water. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's a, what's that? A very largely significant amount. So if I may ask, so if I can probably pull some of those datas up, Ah, God, where was that statistics? I definitely got the link right under yeah. here. Oh, uh, here we go. This is Insider. So right around to here to the blame. So close to right around here. So tons of water here. It is a guarantee. The one, the, the deal guaranteed Arizona or Google, and this is based upon last year to guarantee Google 1 million, 1 million gallons of water a day to cool the facility in up to four million gallons a day if the project hits milestones <laughs> that's crazy and with a lot of water in arizona uses about 146 gallons a day it's just crazy i know <laughs> you know you know how they tell you to shave off some of your activity on anything right so if they're telling you like uh you know turn off your lights when you walk out of the room i propose mm -hmm. I propose twenty five percent. I propose a twenty five percent cut in selfies. Mm -hmm. In selfies. Yeah, cut cut twenty five percent. We can start with twenty five. Eventually, we'll get to zero, right? Well, eventually, we'll get to where we so, selfies are not allowed anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. That'll cut down a lot of activity. I'm kind of kidding there, but well, not really. But uh, yeah, so. But that really, I mean, we're, our, our lifestyles changed. Um, and so, you know, this new tech world, you know, we're consuming more water uh, by, by running, uh, you know, these different, these different data centers and data is like a huge thing. So we're, we're not, you know, the data center, uh, the big thing I guess I wonder is like, 
and we, we could look at this at another time, like if we're using a lot of data, if we're consuming a lot of data and we're using a lot of water consuming data, are we giving up something else in return? Is there an activity that we're giving up to where it's balancing out or maybe even, I don't know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good thing to research. I think, you know, kind of like, I think I brought it before, like when you talk about automobiles versus the horse and buggy, um, mm-hmm. the book Freakonomics went over about how there was all these people like against automobiles when they're first coming out. But then when the automobiles came out, there was no more manure on the sides of the road. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I guess it's just one of those like fear tactics things. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're just people generally afraid of like something they just don't know about. Yeah. So they always kind of make that assumption that's like, you know, I mean, we're all kind of prone to all of that, which yeah. I know that's, that's happening with all our accolades. And I know there's a lot of companies like Meta, Google has been trying to make efforts to trying to make something that's like more of an efficient way to kind of sum the water because I know like a lot of their sustainability thing has been one of the top things on their radar. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering too, is we, well, I don't know. I, I keep thinking we're getting better at storage, and then, uh, and then I, and then I look at a newer storage platform, and it's like fifty times as large, <laughs> and it's using like ninety-five times as much energy. Because uh, yeah, that's what I'm kind of like seeing is like as like t- technology develops, it actually continues to grow. Like, yeah, especially some of the water management with data centers, it's like the storage is going to increase by every year, and even the price does get cheaper. And for the larger ones, it was yeah. just. Like, so that direct like economical relationship right but it looks like companies like uh microsoft and google and as as bad as they can be um it looks like they are trying to maybe streamline a little bit their their approach to storage so who knows mm-hmm. but that's something we could do for another another episode but um yeah, other than that, I mean, I think we hit this the uh, the the surface level, um, and uh, got a nice history out of this. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, a nice little legislative history that kind of brief old overview about the Howard codes and how all this yeah. stuff actually does interplay to the current stuff we're kind of facing. So, like you can always say, history does end up repeating itself. In yep. the case of the whole water thing in Arizona, that's another case of that. Yeah, and and another thing too, I, I want I'd like to look at in the future too, and I, I can I can research that on my side even is like water tables and how they you know their relation to the color. I I did find out uh, when we were just kind of googling around before the before we started our episode, found a couple links saying that yeah, I mean the Colorado River is tied to our water tables to a point. Mm-hmm. So, you know. We'll try to get some more solid information on that. I don't know. Maybe maybe this whole year will be dedicated to water. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I mean that's definitely be a really good thing to go forward. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be you know Sean McMahon, water specialist. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say, Captain Waterman. <laughs> yeah. So so you have anything else you want to add or add to um, this episode or this just kind of goes off from this episode which i know i try to brief up like an overview for yeah. like kind of all this brief talking points without kind of like boring to the stuff on a wednesday right. night which i know this stuff ends up a lot of like justice so i definitely want to get all the tidbits and have all yeah. those other people kind of go in there it's like let me kind of go to this other stuff and see goes from there and then next episode we're probably going to get into the more accolades and more of the inner work into how the business sure. stuff works yeah definitely well, you know, this is going to go viral. And um, come tomorrow night, Thursday night, 
There's going to be families talking about this episode around the dinner table, I tell you. Mm. I don't want to get my ego too. Up. <laughs> was, you know, it could be like the light that could really start that conversation, but it will continue going forward. No. Okay. All right, Sean. Well, if that's all you got for now, we'll, we'll do this again very, very soon. Uh, sooner, as, as soon as you'd like it to be. I, th- I think we're kind of on a roll here now. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're ready to do the next episode, I'll be ready too. Alrighty, so I'll give you all on that. So thank you for having me on this episode for the second time, and I am very grateful to be on the show. Hopefully, I can be a strong voice for all you guys to be able to want to try to understand all the policy stuff because I know there's a lot of misinformation, and I was trying to get to straight to the facts of what you guys want. Yep, and that's what I do. All right, Sean. Hey, well, thanks again, and. Sean McMahon from the Scottsdale Young Republicans. Thanks a lot for coming back on. All right. All right, John. Take care now. Bye-bye.